This is Echo Zoe Radio, episode 43 for November 2011, with Sandy Simpson on the New Apostolic Reformation. Welcome to EchoZoe Radio. I'm your host with a cold, Andy Olson, proprietor of EchoZoe.com. Thanks for listening. This is episode 43 for November 2011. And my guest this month is Sandy Simpson of Apologetics Coordination Team. Our topic is the New Apostolic Reformation. Before we get started, I'd like to share with you a new resource available at EchoZoe.com to support our budding ministry. The most popular podcast episodes will be available on CD form. Currently, there are two available, the interview with Dr. James White on Sola Gratia and Sovereign Grace, which is episode 31, as well as episode 37 with Phil Johnson on Sola Fide. These make excellent gifts to friends and family that are less tech-savvy and don't listen to podcasts, but would appreciate the material. You can find those at echozoe.com store. Be sure to check out the show notes for, the, for this interview at echozoe.com 43 for an outline of the discussion additional resources, and scriptures referenced. You'll also find a link to sign up for the email newsletter to be alerted when new episodes are available. You can find EchoZoe.com on Facebook at facebook.com slash Ministries or on Twitter at at EchoZoe. See EchoZoe.com slash contact for our postal address or to send me an email. I'd love your feedback. I'd also love to get a postcard from you. If you'd like to send one, you can send it to Echo Zoe Ministries, P.O. Box 27465, Minneapolis, Minnesota, 55427. That address is also posted at echozoe.com contact. I spent many hours in Sandy's materials on the New Apostolic Reformation in preparation for this month's interview. We quickly found there was just so much to cover that we couldn't possibly get through it all in just an hour. Fortunately, Sandy knows the materials well enough that he did a great job covering the highlights, as you'll hear in just a moment. My hope is that something he said will spark your interest and cause you to dig a little deeper on your own. Again, check the show notes for a list of resources to get started. With that, here's my interview with Sandy Simpson. Welcome, Sandy. It's a pleasure to have you on this evening. Oh, nice to be here. Thanks a lot for inviting me. Well, my pleasure. So, for the next hour or so, we're going to talk about the New Apostolic Reformation. Yep. Um, maybe we get started kind of with your background with the, the, the NAR and, and your research into them. How did it come about that, that you, you got into research them so well? Well, actually, I was pretty unaware of what was going on until the Brownsville outpouring uh, from uh, Brownsville Assemblies of God came out to Guam with some of their major players and... Uh, conducted meetings out there, and I was out there as a missionary at the time, and they invited the whole Guam Ministerial Association to come out there and participate in their meetings, and they made some claims that nothing weird was going on, that, you know, if people were falling down, they were falling down in repentance, and there was no going to be no, like, prophesying or speaking in tongues and all this kind of stuff, and then, of course, when we went, all those things were going on and more. And I began to question, you know, is this really the Holy Spirit or is this something else? And I, so the Lord really plopped me down right in the middle of it, and I really learned rather quickly, uh, especially through the Word. The, you know, the Holy Spirit really taught me through his, through the Word that what was going on there was wrong. And so I needed to investigate what was behind this, and I found that there were whole movements that basically had culminated in the Toronto Blessing and Brownsville movement. And so that was my first exposure to some of these, some of the um, uh, distinctives of what was, is basically a, a holdover from the uh, New Order of the Latter Rain. Also through, uh, there's a couple of distinct streams, but the other one would be uh, Kenneth Hagin and Kenneth Copeland and the Word of Faith movement. Huh? And... Um, you know, I got exposed to some of their distinctives, which uh, some of them are that they, the latter rain um, uh, promoted that uh, 
the, that God was reestablishing foundational apostles and prophets in the churches, that there was such a thing as an impartation that you could pass along to people by, by the will of man, uh, that was basically the Holy Spirit. Uh, they promoted that there would, would be a great end times revival. They also taught dominionism, that the church needs to take over every aspect of life, and uh, that, there, that they promoted very much personal prophecy over people. And all of those things are not biblical teachings. And in fact, um, in 1949, uh, the, <laughs> believe it or not, the Assembly of God uh, basically uh, disavowed themselves from the latter rain movement uh, and stated that those things were unbiblical. Uh, those teaching, those teachings, and, and a few others that they taught also were unbiblical, and they weren't going to be involved. Well, then, of course, later on in the nineteen, I think it was nineteen ninety-five or whatever, um, Toronto Blessing invaded the Assemblies of God Church down there in Brownsville, and they fell right back into those same teachings that they had disavowed earlier on. So that was the background that I found out, and uh, so then I really uh, started to investigate the personalities of the people, I mean, the people who were involved in what they were teaching. So what is the kind of the, the meat of the New Apostolic Reformation? What is it that dis- makes them distinguished from uh, Orthodox Christianity and from other... Yeah, well, um, they basically teach those things that I outlined and, and other false teachings, but those ones in particular... Um, are uh, ones that end up basically denying some of the core doctrines of the faith. Um, this, this idea that there are foundational apostles and prophets today who are equal to um, uh, or even greater than the uh, uh, apostles and prophets of, uh, of the Old Testament and the, and the uh, first century church um, and the problem with that, of course, is that uh, there are no more foundational apostles. There is a type of apostle, and the, the churches have not been calling them apostles, so as not to confuse people, but now they do. And basically they are like a church-planting evangelistic missionary. Mm-hmm. But there, there is no one like Paul. Paul said that he was the last. And in fact, in the definition, the very definition of what a false apostle is and that Paul wrote... In fact, it's the only time you can find the words false apostles mentioned in the New Testament. Paul says that false apostles identified by somebody who wants to be equal to us. In other words, the foundational apostles. And (laughs) he goes on to say that those people are very dangerous because they're masquerading as, uh, you know, people of truth when actually they're following Satan's example who is masquerading as an angel of light. And, you know, um, I then went and found that all these guys were all saying this. They were saying they were equal to or greater than. C. Peter Reitner, who's the arguably the head apostle of the entire International Coalition of Apostles, and has said so, uh, said in, um, in a National School of the Prophets meeting, he said, apostles and prophets are the foundation of the church, and I identify as James, an apostle, as my function as a horizontal apostle to bring together the people of the body of Christ. And when he brings people together, things happen. <laughs> uh-huh. And so I'm going, okay, he, he has just basically identified himself as a false apostle, because you cannot say that you're equal to the foundational apostles. Um, there, there are qualifications. Number one, you had to have been taught by Jesus Christ himself, which actually Paul was. And, uh, you know, they wrote scripture, they suffered and were were martyred except for John for the faith and all these other things. So, you know, the foundational apostles are gone. And what we have today, we do have some apostles left, but again, I, you know, it's not the same type of apostle. It's like Barnabas or Apollos. It's not like Paul, Peter, John, etc. Sure. So, you know, <laughs> this guy basically um, dug his own hole. But this is what these guys are doing. And, in fact, when you study the epistles and what was going on with Paul, Paul would go in and preach the gospel, and people would get saved, and he would start a church. 
But then these guys would come after him, and they would try to basically reap the benefits of what he had done and get followers to themselves. And they would go in by saying, you know what, we're apostles too. And we've, we've got new revelation. Uh, it's maybe different from Paul's, but you need to listen to us because we have the same authority. And that's what we have today. That's been going on for 2000, over 2,000 years. Wow. Uh, it's always been going on in the churches. When people want to come in and get people away after them, they come in and try to act like they have the, they have this super authority, but they don't. So, you know, it's that's just one aspect. And, of course, that goes along with their name, the New Apostolic, and that's what they believe that God has established them to, to lead the churches. But, in fact, what they're doing is they're leading the churches into, uh, you know, basically <laughs> false things. Uh-huh. And you can see that when you see them align with other false teachers, such as the Oneness uh, Pentecostals. They have no problem with them, and they're all right together with them. Well, you know, I mean, when you, for instance, when you start treating, when, when you start doing impartation, for instance, that's, that's the second one, you know, a transferable impartation, you're basically treating God as a substance instead of as a spirit, you know, spirit. And by doing that, you end up denying both the deity and the personality of God. In other words, God is deity, and also God is uh, one God in three persons. And so you end up denying the, the core doctrine of the Trinity, which is absolutely core to Christianity. It's one of those things we can't give up. Yeah. And, uh, you know, so when you start thinking through these issues, that's what you realize. Yeah, that sounds similar to, I told you before we started that I'd interviewed Justin Peters yes. on Word of Faith, and um, yeah. he talked about faith as a substance, like faith yeah. is, is yeah. and that sounds that's very a similar. Thing, that's a big thing with Word of Faith. I mean, they're, uh, they got their ideas from people like uh, Paul Yonggi Cho and some others who are mixed up with Buddhism, Okay, and they, they really do view... Uh, this force thing, this faith being a separate force. In other words, they believe that God created the the universe using this force of faith. Uh-huh. <laughs> Instead of saying, no, <laughs> God spoke and it came into being. I mean, <laughs> he didn't use any force at all. And we cannot, like, just uh, confess something and bring it into being. You know, it's, uh-huh. it's, it's, it's actually a ridiculous notion, and they know it's not true. But you know, it's a way to get followers to themselves because people, you know, our nature, we want to all be little uh, sort of magicians, you know. Sure. And, you know, and be able to create reality. But the fact is, is we we can't do that. God, only God does that. Right. And in fact, it goes into this whole slaying the Spirit thing. You can't throw the Holy Spirit around a room or press the Holy Spirit into somebody's forehead by your will. Because when people were laying hands on people to send them out and commission them to go do the work that God wanted them to do, they were agreeing with what God wanted. They weren't, like, transferring something. And yet, see, Peter Wagner and all his apostles say they can actually impart apostleship onto people, you know? (laughs) They can lay hands on them and make them an apostle. That almost sounds like, uh, like the Catholic Church in some ways, then. Well, the funny thing is, is this whole thing does have a lot of sort of similar uh, directions than than the Catholic Church has been going, and now they're very much together. They they have no problem with what the Catholics are doing. Uh-huh. They're together with them in ministry. You see this especially with YWAM and some other of their agencies working right with Catholics. And uh, some of the, these false ideas, especially, I would say, those of the emerging church, come from Catholic mysticism. And, of course, emerging church is all part of this scenario, too, because, you know, when you see the connections between church growth and emerging church and uh, New Apostolic, it's all there. And a lot of it came out of Fuller <laughs> Seminary with uh, C. Peter Wagner and John Wimber being down there. Huh. And... Um, so you, you begin to see, and, you know, when, when you, I mean, I happen to have a, a copy of um, Rick Warren's uh, uh, dissertation from Fuller, and uh, his mentor was 
on it's on the thing is is uh, C. Peter Wagner. Oh wow! And he quotes mostly C. Peter Wagner church growth books in his dissertation. So you begin to see all these uh, connections going on, and it see you know it really is has this effect of building this uh, world church uh-huh. that is basically has let down the the boundaries between Catholic starting with Catholicism. But now it's Mormonism. You know, you've got people like uh, Joel Osteen saying that Mormons are Christians. Uh-huh. And also Pat Robertson recently said that Romney is a good Christian. And um, ultimately it's going to, you know, it's going to get around to uh, Islam. Well, we're the same as Islam. We worship the same God. So um, it's, it's building a false... Uh, world church, and I believe this is the enemy's way of doing it among especially evangelical churches, because it used to be that it was mostly liberal churches involved in this these, this weird stuff, but uh, now it's gotten into you know, I would say that at least half of the churches that I know, especially mega churches, are into uh, very much in support of the New Apostolic Doctrines. And the the other half have been diapraxed with them. In other words, they are they have been brainwashed over time, and now they've accepted some, if not all, of the false teachings. And so that's why you see in so many churches, and you see so many Christians that have no problems with these things. But it's mainly because they haven't really looked into it and compared what is being you know taught to the Bible. And uh, Recently, it's come into the forefront because uh, they've been having these big prayer meetings because they believe that if they get enough people together that they can sway God, uh-huh. called synergy. And, uh, you know, Dutch Sheets basically uh, prophesied that they, this whole movement and everybody needs to, in America, needs to divorce Ball. <laughs> and, so, <laughs> and so they had this big prayer meeting, unfortunately, which... Uh, uh, Governor Perry got involved with, where they divorced Ball and uh, supposedly made a new covenant with Christ. Well, I, I have two problems with that. Number one is, uh, it's not American Christianity that needs to divorce Ball, it's Islam. <laughs> because Islam is really the God that they're worshipping comes out of Ball worship originally. But you know, this idea of a new covenant with Christ, I mean, who made the new covenant? It was Jesus Christ himself right. by his death on the cross. And we are not there to make a new covenant with Christ. I mean, it's not a bad idea to rededicate yourself to the Lord and all that. But these guys, they always have some big thing because they believe they're actually able to have authority in heaven and on earth, uh, command things and speak things into being. That's why I'm saying it, it very much has a parallel to the Word of Faith movement. Uh-huh. Well, what so is that connection with Word of Faith? Is it? Well, I just think that a lot of the people, I think they came out of the same kind of roots. Okay. Um, they Both of those movements have an affinity toward the uh, latter rain movement, the original latter rain movement. And... Um, you know, uh, Kenneth Hagin definitely did. He was basically one of the fathers of the Word of Faith movement. And and Kenneth Copeland and Benny Hinn were influenced by both movements, obviously. And, uh, you so know, are these, these kinds of... Are these like parallel movements with... Um, they're with they're very much background? parallel, but people didn't necessarily make the connection until a little bit later when they began to see these guys come on TV and realize that they were teaching all the same thing, the, God is establishing new foundational apostles, uh, doing slain in the Spirit, uh, saying that we're going to have a great end times revival, um, saying that we, uh, uh, the, uh, the direction that the churches need to be going in is to taking over every aspect of society, infiltrating society with, with Christians, uh, you know, businesses and governments and everything. In fact, C. Peter Wagner said that we need to actually overthrow the governments of the world, <laughs> uh-huh. which is actually sedition. But, And I wrote an article about it saying, you know, what's the difference between Christian fascism and Islamic fascism? You know, I'm not sure, because they both kind of have the same goal to take over the world. 
Well, you know, some of the, it was interesting because some people in the media recently uh, realized this, and they made the same comments and basically called um, C. Peter Wagner and the New Apostolic a cult. <laughs> uh-huh. So they got really angry. and uh, Yeah, that word's kind of not, uh, <laughs> not appreciated much these days. Yeah. Well, they, you know, they got real angry about it, and they, um, he wrote an article uh, trying to refute that idea, and it was interesting because I, I also dealt with that uh, myself and answered him. And basically what he ended up doing was pretty much confirming all of their suspicions about the movement, and I basically left it up to people to say, you know, you make the call whether this is a cult or not. But, you know, the definition of a cult is a um, an organization or a movement that basically ends up denying one or more of the core doctrines of the faith. Mm-hmm. And as I went through and I looked at these things, and my website is is built on being sure that if I make any accusations that it's because people are denying one or more of the core doctrines of the faith. And come to find out, the things that they do are basically end up denying some of the, you know, fundamental core doctrines, like the Trinity, the person of Jesus Christ, being uh, being uh, 100% man, 100% God for all eternity, salvation by grace through faith in Christ alone, the authority of Scripture, that is, it's our highest authority in all matters of faith and practice, uh, especially what Jesus said, because it says that, you know, at, whereas in the past, you know, we had prophets and all that. Now we have the word of the Son of God. And so we have to understand that that trumps everything. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, the, the fact that Jesus Christ is coming back bodily to rule and judge the earth. Uh, in the case of them teaching dominionism, we have to understand that he has to rule the earth. A lot of them are in denial of a uh, millennial kingdom. And that's absolutely necessary because the Lord... Uh, when he comes back, is going to rule on earth for a thousand years before he we go into eternity, and he rules for all for all eternity, and that's very uh, essential to uh, to things. But go, you know, um, going back to the authority of Scripture, that was where a lot of the liberals who were involved in this movement got off to begin with. Back when I was growing up in the fifties. The, the sticking point and the reason why a number of denominations ended up splitting at that time was over the authority of Scripture. And uh, now it's far worse than that. It's not just the authority of Scripture. It's redefining who God is, etc. Uh-huh. So that's the danger, you know. And, and unfortunately, you know, we all get brainwashed to a certain degree by our, you know, our being in the world. You know, when I was, I was thinking about, you know, growing up, a lot of the stuff that's on TV today never would have been on TV when I was growing up. Uh-huh. Uh, but now, people have become sort of numb to it, you know? All the foul language and all the sexual stuff going on. Yep. Uh, we shouldn't be. We should be, you know, standing up for what the Lord wants, how He wants us to live and all that stuff. But we come, we do. We sort of become numb to everything, and that's part of the brainwashing that's happened in the church, and it's why a lot of people who call themselves Christians have accepted a number of these things. But this is why it's so paramount when Paul said, examine yourself to see if you're in the faith. Test yourself. A lot of Christians need to make sure that they're on the right track, because they may be way off. And what the devil wants to do is to change people's belief system. If he can get you to change your belief system, then what do you have? The Bible says that you can believe in vain. Yep. So we have to check ourselves. You know, one of my pet peeves from the beginning of this, these movements has been their repeated teaching and misuse of Matthew 7, 1, where they say, judge not lest you be judged, and they apply that to everything. Well, that verse does not apply to everything. It applies to hypocritical judgment. In other words, if I'm doing something and then I'm, like, getting on somebody else for doing the same thing I'm doing, that's, that's wrong judging. Yeah, but we are to judge false teaching and false prophecy because fourteen verses later, he says, "Watch out for the false prophets." Yeah, <laughs> and you can't do that unless you're actually testing everything and you're making sure that you're on track. In fact, 
you know, I do a lot of, I spend a lot of time on my site trying to teach Christians that the very definition of Christian maturity is to get to the point where you can tell the difference between what's right and wrong. Uh-huh. And I, I know a lot of Christians who have some problems with some of these things coming into the churches, but they need to take the next step and really find out what's going on, you know. Yeah, I want to talk a little bit about uh, the prophecies part of this thing because it seems like yes. that's that's the that seems to be the lure that people yes. love that, hearing this prophecy and and yeah. yet and yet the movement seems so resistive to holding to a, a, a biblical yeah. standard on prophecy. Yeah, that's def- that's certainly not their strong point. And in fact, a lot of them spend hardly any time uh, dealing with scripture at all. It's all new revelation. It's all what this guy prophesied. It's some story, testimonial, uh-huh. something that happened. Well, this whole thing is also alternately called the prophecy movement because they use two things to reel people in. Number one is they get them slain in the spirit and then they prophesy over them and it's almost always some kind of positive thing about yeah. oh you're you're a pro- you're a prophet or you know you're an apostle or you're going to you're going to go raise people from the dead one guy came came up to me and laid, tried to lay hands on me I wouldn't let him and then he said you're going to raise the dead in micronesia you know <laughs> oh, wow and when i thought about it just it only took me a minute or so i realized that was totally a false prophecy because yeah, God can use people to raise the dead, but why would he tell me that ahead of time? Why did, would I need to know that? Uh-huh. The only reason I would need to know that would be from a demonic standpoint of making me proud right. and puffing me up. Yeah. And so what they do is they puff people up. And it's really unfortunate because then, in some cases, they send them off on a lifeline pers- lifetime pursuit of something that they are not even meant to do. Uh-huh. And that's what they get them, you know, they do the same thing with dominionism. They get people away from preaching the gospel, which, by the way, we're supposed to still be doing the Great Commission, into, oh, we've got to take over the world for Christ, so therefore we need to do all this fake spiritual warfare, and we have to, you know, get into all this stuff, and they distract them away from what they should actually be doing. So that's one of the things I see with the, the, the prophecy thing is, you know, they prophesy over people, which, you know, it's almost always this sort of personal prophecy, sort of psychic stuff, uh-huh. which really isn't in line with the Bible at all. Because when when uh, when people prophesied in the Bible, it was for very important things when you look at it. Um, you know, prophesying to kings in the Old Testament and prophesying, you know, to Paul and things like that, telling him what was going to happen and... But, you know, it's not this sort of personal readings kind of thing, you know. And so that's where they've gotten people off into that whole thing. And I've seen people, it's basically ruined their lives. They've gone off in some direction that they should never have gone off into. And it's made them think that there's something really special in a, in a wrong way. I mean, obviously we're special to the Lord, but we're not, you know, um, as people who are servants of the Lord, we are servants of others. We're not to rule them and to lead them. But that's what, you know, that's basically what this movement's all about, is ruling over people, you know, uh-huh. and getting getting sort of the, some kind of spiritual hold on them, which is why slaying the Spirit is so dangerous. Now, that goes back to, basically, they're following in the steps of William Branham. And if you look at all of these guys, they all hearken back to William Branham and some other the women in the past, Amy Semple McPherson and Catherine Kuhlman. They were all doing slain in the spirit. And I believe that um, William Branham picked up this idea when he was in India because he traveled all over the world uh, after a certain point doing, you know, doing his show. Uh-huh. And um, he met a guru over there, and I believe he... he witnessed them doing Shaktipat, which is this, virtually the same thing as, um, as Slain in the Spirit today. And then that began to take hold, and people followed in his footsteps. But this is not something that comes from the Bible. This is not a biblical practice. And in fact, it's very dangerous. It opens people up to the influence of, of spirits. Mm-hmm. So, you know, 
I always tell people to be very careful of that. And I've seen that when people are involved in that kind of thing and they pray and ask the Lord, Lord, if this is from you, then I accept it. But if it's not, please protect me. <laughs> they don't get it. <laughs> you know, and that's what happened to me. This guy from Brownsville tried to slay me in the spirit something like seven or eight times. And I was praying that the whole time, and I didn't get anything. And I was very thankful to the Lord afterwards because of of the ba- some of the bad things that happened during that conference and subsequently uh, to people because they got slain in the Spirit. You know, the Holy Spirit raises people up to be the character of Christ. He doesn't throw them down to the ground. He doesn't make them act like animals. He doesn't do things that make them out of control. Because God actually works with our free will. <laughs> you know, um, he doesn't work against it like the enemy does. The enemy works against people's free will. And so when you look at what happens with slain in the Spirit, you see many parallels to demonism in the Bible. People, you know, getting thrown to the ground, rolling around, doing things that they're out of control. So this has been part of and parcel of this movement. And But the thing is, is that the most dangerous thing is not necessarily the slain the Spirit. It's that people then accept that as some kind of sign and wonder from God, and then they begin to accept what people are teaching. Yeah. And accept false prophecy, and that's the dan- real dangerous part. And and that's good that you went there because I I just want to ask you how do we approach our friends that are involved in this, people we care about who are involved in this that 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 really get caught up in the experiential, yeah, and don't want to listen to reason when you give right. them scripture. Hey, I've I've seen it, and I've even seen family members do that. It's difficult because. If that's what they want and they've decided what they want, then they're probably not actually going to listen to reason. But I think that prayer holds a big aspect there, that Uh we need to continue to pray for them and ask the Holy Spirit to help them see. Because a lot of people that I know, um, they're just in denial of the Holy Spirit. I know the Holy Spirit's trying to bring them to the truth, but they continually resist. They see things that are wrong, but then they go, well, you know, so what? You know, uh, you know, yeah, some of the things they're doing are not right, but some of them are really good. Yeah. But, you know, it's the old thing of uh, it only takes 1% of poison <laughs> right. and 99% water to kill you, you know. And the Bible doesn't say we should, like, you know, uh, eat the meat and spit out the bones, because sometimes we can't spit out the bones. Right. And that's the dangerous part. That's why I talk about diaprax a lot, uh-huh. because that's the method that they're using to get people into these things. They vilify the old. They're very good at saying the the things that uh, the church isn't doing well, but then their solutions are not right. And so people need to be a lot more careful about, you know, being able to parse that. And you can see the same thing in our politicians today. They use the same methodology, you know. Uh-huh. Um, of diaprax, and you, you begin to see it everywhere. Really briefly, what is diaprax? Well, diaprax is a mixture of the Hegelian dialectic and praxis. The Hegelian dialectic is basically a way to manipulate people's thinking by you basically set up a thesis and antithesis, and you basically um, uh, you, you vilify the old way of doing things, Mm-hmm. And then on the other side, you build up maybe even something that's not even true, but it's you're saying, well, this new thing is not good. And then you bring them to your artificial middle where that's supposed to be balanced because people like to be balanced. This is overemphasis so, on compromise. And so then if people accept that, accept their middle point, which is never right, then what they do is, they go into praxis. They begin, okay, let's split up into, you know, small groups and discuss this. You know, this is what the whole cell church movement was about, was let's split up into small groups and discuss what the pastor said today. But the discussion is not an open discussion. It's like basically agreeing with those points. Uh And so they're getting people to listen to this and then agree to it. And in doing so, you end up leaving your old belief system <laughs> and adopting the belief system of the person who's leading it. Uh-huh. Um, emerging church especially uses this idea, but so does the New Apostolic. And so you have to be careful about 
people who are supposedly, they've set themselves up as an authority on how the church has failed, because they need to have a biblical solution as to how to fix it. Uh-huh. And any good speaker is going to be speaking out of the Bible, because the Bible does address things like that. But we need to follow what the Bible's solutions are, not new revelation. You know, so the, the problem is, is behind behind these guys is lurking this uh, dominionism and end times revival and impartation and, you know, foundational apostles stuff. Yeah. And that's what they're trying to get people into. And the danger is, is that, again, those things end up uh, leading you to a denial of some of the core doctrines of the faith. And so then what happens? You know, <laughs> what's the Lord going to say? So we have to protect our belief system today against these guys who are coming in and coming in with new ideas that uh, are not in line with the scripture. Yeah, it's it's frustrating. It's very frustrating, and you know, but I think that there are a lot of good websites out there um, uh, that uh, people can go to, that people can be. Um, sort of directed to. Uh-huh. There's a lot of uh, books and also DVD materials that people can be directed to to try to help them out if they really have a desire to get out. Of course, probably the best time, I mean, I'm, I'm, a, ver- I'm very, um, a very uh, a believer in there's a time and a place for everything. And I think that you can try to present something to somebody and they're not ready for it, and it does absolutely no good at all. But if you find that point, if, if, the, if the Lord directs you to that point where there actually there's an opening, then you've got you to gotta use that, you mm-hmm. know, and try to help this person. And a lot of people, I mean, I, I get emails every week of people who are turning because they finally woke up one day <laughs> and realized that they were into something that was not good. And it takes some guts to actually get out because... Then people are going to confront you. You're going to lose friends. You know, mm-hmm. you may have to leave your church, and it, it just it becomes a difficult issue. But you know what? We are to do what the Lord asks us to do. We're not under the direction of a certain person necessarily. You know, the Holy Spirit is our teacher, and so we have to make sure that He actually is our teacher and not somebody else that we revere who may end up, we'll find out later that the guy's into a lot of false doctrine. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you know, I've noticed that um, it seems to come out, these guys end up having other bad fruit that goes along with their false yes. doctrine. Yes. Yeah, I, I was watching through your DVD series as I was prepping for this interview, and one guy that kept coming up was Ted Haggard. And, yeah. And as soon as his name came up, I, I recognized the name yep. from uh, just a couple years ago, yep. uh, and then his scandal. And yeah. uh, the the DVDs were a little bit before Todd Bentley's time, but yeah. uh, same kind of thing. Yeah, we you know we've been thinking about doing something on Todd if he if he continues, but it's the same same issue. Uh, unfortunately, a number of people are involved in basically immoral behavior these days, and. Mm-hmm. Ted Haggard was one of them, and Mike Oppenheimer and I wrote to the National Association of Evangelicals when he became president and warned them that he was lying about his background. And uh, so they were warned ahead of time before this guy, before the revelation came out that he was having a homosexual relationship with uh, with his drug dealer. <laughs> yeah. But now, you know, it's even worse because the guy started a church again, in his house, and about a third of the people, I'm told, from his old church came over to his new church, and he's, you know, made a reality show out of it, and et cetera, et cetera. It just mm. kind of gets worse all the time. But the thing to realize is that two of the major agencies, at least, of the New Apostolic, or I should say the International Coalition of Apostles, were housed at Ted Haggard's old church. Um namely uh, the World Prayer Center and uh, Sentinel Group, which is uh, George Otis Jr., who put out the Transformations videos. And so that was very much sort of the central location for them, and a lot of those guys lived uh, and still live in uh, Colorado Springs up there. So um, 
you know, and some of those people actually attended uh, Ted Hager's church. So, um, you know, that, and, you know, those two agencies alone have caused all kinds of problems. Now, you know, the, the, the history of this movement, the history of the, of the New Apostolic Movement goes back to C. Peter Wagner's being involved in church growth way back. He wrote a number of church growth books back in the 70s. And even then, he was already saying that, uh, saying things like, the end justifies the means. <laughs> um, here's a quote. We ought to see clearly the end does justify the means. What else could possibly justify the means? If the method I'm using accomplishes the goal I'm aiming at, is it is for that reason a good method. If, on the other hand, my method is not accomplishing the goal, how can I be justified in continuing to use it? And that's him from his book called Your Church Can Grow in 1976. Pure pragmatism. So he was already getting off... You know, that is not ab- absolutely not true that the end justifies the means. Mm-hmm. It means you can use any means to get to, to an end. No, that's not true at all. The means also have to be uh, based in morality and in Scripture and not, you know, just anything. But then, yep. you know, he got all these churches and denominations to sign the Luzon Covenant, which he came up, came up with, and then that, you know, that whole thing morphed into AD 2000, which was him and Ralph Moore's, uh, Ralph, uh, Ralph Winter's thing. And then that became the Lighthouse Movement, and that's when the World Prayer Center uh, began collecting data on all the churches <laughs> to try to be able to influence them. And then that became Mission America, and we had all kinds of churches get involved with that. And then, of course, you know, the International Coalition of Apostles and all these people from both sides of the aisle, by the way, both from um, from the New Apostolic and also from Word of Faith, from old Latter Rain like uh, Bill Hammond. I mean, he's he goes all the way back to when the Latter Rain was was still around, mm-hmm. and also Paul Kane and uh, Rick Joyner, who is basically a student of Paul Kane. And yeah. so we have all these guys involved in Wagner's thing. And so it has a long history, um, and it's not a very good history, <laughs> you know, but that's what the World Prayer Center was doing, and the World Prayer Center got control of the National Prayer Day and National uh, Prayer Committee and all that. And so it's really their agendas that are being done in that on those prayer days now, which is why I quit praying along, on those same days a long time ago because I realized that I was praying with a lot of people, and I'm not sure what God they're praying to. <laughs> and what good is that going to be going to do? You know, I can pray on my own. I can pray with my church. Uh-huh. We can have our own prayer days for the government. We can, you know, and, and the fact, you know, this whole idea that you've got to have all these people getting together to pray um, is just basically a, an excuse for, you know, unity without <laughs> real true unity of the faith. And... um you know, the Bible says that, you know, God hears the prayer of one righteous man. Mm-hmm. And he says, you can go into your bedroom and close the door and <laughs> pray to the Lord, and the Lord will hear you. So uh, I'm not impressed with the numbers of people that get out there to pray. And in fact, a lot of times I think they're actually doing damage because they're praying with the wrong people. And you can see that on National Prayer Day. You know, they've invited Mormons, they've invited Muslims, etc. Mm-hmm. for those things. Um, would you mind if I ask you, uh, if I just toss out a couple names, just to ask sure. you kind of to give your thoughts on them? Sure. Like I said, I, I don't know these a lot of these guys, and you've thrown out a lot of names that I've never heard of. Yeah. But uh, um, a few that I saw on your DVD and maybe maybe a few others. Uh, I'll start with maybe Dutch Sheets. Yes. Um, he is very much uh, involved with Wagner's coalition of apostles and the new apostolic has been for quite some time and he's come up with some of the more radical agendas of the movement and also some of the a number of real false apostles uh false prophecies on a number of things um you know he said that roe v wade was going to be overturned so did uh, cindy jacob she's another big prophetess with that movement uh-huh uh, they're very much driven by the prophets, and then the apostles kind of carry out and execute what the prophets are saying. But often the prophets, what they're saying is wrong. 
And like I said, in this new thing, this uh, this newest prayer thing, it was driven by a false prophecy by Dutch Sheets that said that God told him we needed to divorce Baal as a nation. Yep. <laughs> you know, it, just, it sounds absurd, and it is absurd, actually. Uh-huh. Um, but, you know, it was the same thing out here. When, well, it sounds uh, flashy, it, though, isn't it? It sound, oh, oh, it sounds great. They yeah. always come up with flashy stuff. Yeah. And that's why a lot of people get hooked in, you know. But, she, you know, Cindy Jacobs did basically the same thing. She came out here to Hawaii some time ago and prophesied that Hawaii was going to become the first entirely Christian state. In other words, everybody was going to be Christian in, in this state. You know, I've well, seen that a lot. They, yeah, these, I live these... here. And, uh... <laughs> well, these prophets <laughs> seem to do that. I... <laughs> yeah. I mean, they love it. It sounds really grandiose, but it's yeah. not happening here. Things are getting worse. Yeah. In fact, when they had their transformations, uh, transformations Hawaii prayer, um, the last prayer effort they had, and by the way, they pulled in a number of people from churches that should not have been involved because they don't know these people. You know, they were making grandiose claims that since the last time that they had a prayer meeting that crime was down on Oahu. Well, I was out walking the, within the next couple of days, and I see this uh, newspaper kiosk, and the, the headline in the newspaper is, crime up by <laughs> 6% in Oahu. Wow. And I'm going, that's horrible. Yeah. You know, we this, again, is ends justify the means. Yeah. You know, you, you make, try to make these big claims that make people think like you're really being effective, when actually it's a lie. Yeah. And a long time ago, Mike Oppenheimer and I wrote an expose on Otis's uh, transformation, his first transformation video series, and showed that most of it was fabrications if and exaggerations and, in fact, outright lies on that video. Uh-huh. We went and investigated a lot of these things, and turns out the thing was like, just totally, it was made up <laughs> out of whole cloth. Well, you talked about them puffing do. people up, and... And I've noticed yes. that myself too. That exactly. they'll, they'll go into a, a city and then they'll they'll make these grandiose yeah. prophecies that that city is going to exactly. be the the, oh, yeah. the the beginning, the genesis the of this. Of something. Yeah. And they do this all over the world. They puff people up, and in fact, you know, this is also based on this whole the, this whole transformation thing of Ed Silvoso and and George Otis Jr. of basically believing that whole cities, that cities have souls, uh-huh. and they can, like, be uh, <laughs> somehow saved that way. Uh-huh. And also believing that they can do binding and loosing of, and even killing of territorial demons. And uh, <laughs> and that goes back to John Dawson of YWAM. Uh-huh. Uh, and... I would highly recommend that people get a video that's put out by Mike Oppenheimer and Let Us Reason that shows Anna Mendez and Doris Wagner basically claiming that they climbed up uh, Mount Everest and they killed the Queen of Heaven and the devil up there. Oh, wow. This was many years ago. And it shows them what they were doing. You know, they're like stabbing the snow with knives and killing the Queen of Heaven. So, I mean, Crazy. people need to understand where this stuff is coming from, because like Ted Haggard, they went all around their buildings over there and sprayed the holy anointing oil to drive out the demons, you know. Yeah, and I wanted to ask you, uh, the kind of the, this whole territorial spirit thing, I wanted, to, I wanted to ask you about this practice of prayer walking, and what is this? And That, that comes out of the same thing. That's, that's a John Dawson uh, YWAM thing believing that if you physically walk through these things and you're praying that you're driving out the territorial demons. Well, there's really nothing in the Bible that talks about that being something that we can do. In other words, get rid of territorial demons. Uh-huh. We can obviously we can obviously um, cast demons out of individuals, and I've seen that a lot on the mission field. We've been involved with that. But, you know, um, it's it's a wrong idea that somehow the church is going to totally clean up the world before Christ comes back. Mm-hmm. Because Christ is the one who's going to clean up the world. He's the one who's going to get rid of the enemy and all that. Uh, we are... <laughs> it's unfortunate they haven't read a lot of passages of Scripture that talk about the fact that whose dominion is it right now? Well, of course God is over all, and ultimately God wins, and you know he has the victory because it belongs to him. But right now, 
actually the dominion has been given to the to the enemy. Mm-hmm. And you know when when Satan tempted Jesus um, in the wilderness, that was a real offer he made, giving him the kingdoms of the world because he has them, mm-hmm. and he is in control of a lot of what goes on. And so, you know. The, the the way to combat that is not to go out and do prayer walks. It is to give the people the gospel. Yeah. So that, first of all, the Holy Spirit can come, in, come into their lives, and then they put on the armor of God. Mm-hmm. They, they begin to walk in the truth. They begin to walk in faith, etc. That is actual spiritual warfare. It's not the stuff these guys are doing. And what YWAM does when they go into countries and they do that is absolutely useless. And in fact, it's not good. And I have many reports where they walk through places and they don't even witness to people. Oh, wow. And unfortunately, I watched this happen with YWAM many years ago, and I tried to stop it. I was out in Guam, and they were starting to do this prayer walking stuff. And I brought them over to our place, and I basically said, you know, you guys need to get back to preaching the gospel, because that's what's going to make the difference in people's lives, not this prayer walking. Uh-huh. And they actually agreed with me at that point, but then they, they went back into it. And they're totally sold out to that now. You know, they go up on mountains, and, you know, they look like these Gaia worshippers people, you know, and they're up there, you know, praying, and, and oh, we prayed, and, you know, a bunch of people got saved, you know. <laughs> <laughs> You know, the Bible is very clear about people getting saved. They have to hear the gospel from someone preaching it. Yeah. The Bible says. Yeah. And so it's very sad what's going on, and and yet that's one of their methodologies. And I tell people who want to get involved with YWAM, is that what you want to do? Do you think that's a good thing to be doing? Because that's what you're going to be doing when you get involved with them. And not only that, but you're going to be facilitating everything that the New Apostolic comes out with. Uh-huh. They facilitate all. They're like the ground people for all these guys, including Benny Hinn and other people. They're always helping them. Wow. You know? And so I'm, I'm very much not in favor of youth getting involved in that organization. It's another example of the New Apostolic going after those who are least able to actually discern what's happening. They always mm-hmm. go after the youth. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's the sad part to me. Yeah. Is that there are better organizations out there to be involved with than those that are um, basically have gone along with the new apostolic stuff. Another name, uh, Rick Joyner. Rick Joyner's been involved in all this stuff from early on. He was one of the Kansas City prophets, along with Mike Bickle and Paul Kane. Paul Kane is actually a direct link to the old. Uh, New Order of the Latter Rain, because he was an associate pastor, an associate evangelist, who actually um, did some of the crusades uh, of William Branham uh, when he wasn't able to do them. And so he was there from the ground up. And he influenced all those guys that are over there in that area that uh, came out of that area. And uh, then, you know, he also was a big influence on C. Peter Wagner and John Wimber over at Fuller because he made a trip down there when he heard about their Signs and Wonders courses at Fuller and basically exposed them at that time, back in the 80s, on on Latter Rain Doctrine, saying, you know what, you guys are already teaching this stuff and this is where this is coming from. And that's when they basically switched over into that, even though... Uh, C. Peter Wagner denied that he knew anything about it. Uh That's a whole other story. I have that on my site. Uh But yeah, he's uh, very instrumental in that, and uh, both he and Paul Kane became members of the Knights of Malta, which is a secret Catholic organization that's involved in promoting world government, etc. And then he's lately he got another guy, uh, General Boykin, involved in in the Knights of Malta. This is a Catholic organization, by the way, that swears fealty to the Pope. And uh, it makes you really uh, see that there's a very much a link between the Catholic agenda of of world governance and you know one world religion and the New Apostolic. They have a very direct link there. Hmm. Uh, Rick Joyner is a false prophet from long ago. He's made many false prophecies. Uh, he's very much a promoter of 
the of slain in the spirit and all this, the same stuff. So, mm-hmm. yeah, he's but he's one of the people that is probably very key, along with C. Peter Wagner, Chuck Chuck Pierce, uh, Dutch Sheets, um, and a number of other uh, people uh, in that movement. Okay, and you mentioned Mike Bickle. Mike Bickle, it was there from the beginning too. Uh, in the he was one of the Kansas City prophets and. He now uh, has this thing called IHOP, International House of Prayer, and he's gotten a lot of people involved with that who don't know that it's a new apostolic thing. And, um, you know, he's he's on that DVD series and talking about, you know, uh, some of the ideas that have basically uh, become IHOP, uh, Davidic worship and all this kind of stuff that they're into. Uh, but he's a false prophet from long ago, He's taught these false doctrines all along, um, and uh, anybody who gets involved with IHOP or any of his things needs needs to be aware that he is completely, he's one of the apostles in the International Coalition of Apostles under C. Peter Wagner, so. Huh. Well, we're uh, pushing, I think we're about 50 to 55 minutes, somewhere in there. Okay. Uh Uh-huh. And we can't even scratch the surface in an hour oh, yeah. on this. So um, I really appreciate what you've talked about so far. But um, before we close, I want to uh, give you the opportunity to, to share some other resources or your site, oh, how sure. can people find you. Um, and, and if people are more interested in finding out more about this sure. subject, um, where can they go? Well, you can come to my website. It's called deceptioninthechurch.com. That's all one word. And... Um, we have a number of resources on the New Apostolic. Uh, we have a basically a six-DVD series. It's like 13 hours long. That's a commentary on one of the uh, New Apostolic meetings, uh, the National School of the Prophets meeting up at Ted Hager's old church, and basically shows a number of the things that they're into mm-hmm. and, and goes into it in detail, and you can see them actually saying the things, so there's no doubt about what's going on. I also have a book along with that series that uh, basically is the video script of what I said on the on the show, but then also there are a lot of added quotes. And so if you're real interested in research, that's a good one. Um, and, you know, we have a, a lot of other materials on, on the site that deal uh, with that issue, at least in part. Um, uh, a book that Mike Oppenheimer and I wrote is called Idolatry in Their Hearts. That's a very important book on the uh, on the world a Christian gathering of indigenous people, which is involved with the New Apostolic, etc. So mm-hmm. just check out the materials, sign up for the newsletter on the site, and you can be updated weekly on what's kind of what's going on out there. Sure. Well, thank you. Um, you know, I forgot to bring it up a while ago, but... It, I wanted to uh, ask you about the, this uh, Gnosticism and, and how New Apostolic Reformation seems to be like a modern-day... Yes. Well, it is. It's very much a, a modern-day version of the Gnosticism that began to come into the churches that especially John was addressing in his letters. Um, Gnosticism, one of the major tenets of Gnosticism is New Revelation. Mm-hmm. And so that's what these guys are all about. It's like you, yeah, the Bible's fine, but you need to follow the new edicts and the new revelation of the prophets and the new edicts of the new apostles, because uh, God is restoring foundational apostles and prophets to the churches, and that's exactly what the Gnostics were doing back then. Um, so, especially in that regard, yes, it's a ver- it's a new version of Gnosticism. Um, there are other tenets to Gnosticism that may not quite apply, but that one definitely does. Sure. And that that also goes into the Word of Faith movement, too. Well, it almost seems to stress that you, you'd become like a higher-order Christian if you... Yes. Well, that's what's, that's what's so attractive to a lot of people, you know. Mm-hmm. They think that they're going to be on a new level of spirituality, <laughs> and actually they are, but it's <laughs> it's not the kind of spirituality you want to be involved with. Yeah, <laughs> it's very dangerous. It's what the Bible labels as lying signs and wonders. Mm-hmm. And be careful about all these stories that people are putting out there. You better check them into them before you pass them around, because the devil loves to make everybody liars. Yeah, 
And if you participate in that, you become a liar along with the original liars, you know. So there are a lot of stories out there, a lot of books being written. Be careful of a lot of books out there today. I just uh, urge people to go back to the Bible and study the Bible because it has all the answers. Yeah. Well, thanks so much. Is there anything you want to close with? Anything else? No, just just be praying for those that you know that are involved in this movement. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, God does answer prayer. He did in my case when I went away from the Lord for a couple of years of my life early on. And I I know people were praying for me because it was because of their prayers that the Holy Spirit was able to work in me and I, I was able to respond and get out of the some of the serious issues I was involved in. So don't give up praying for people, and then when you get an opportunity, share with them from the Word. Sure. Well, thank you very much, Sandy. You're welcome, I appreciate it. Thank you. Well, that wraps up Episode 43. Thanks again for listening. Check out echozoe.com slash 43 for show notes, including an outline of what you just heard, as well as scriptures referenced and additional resources. Lord willing, I'll be back in December for another installment of Echo Zoe Radio. I'll see you next month for episode 44.